The following Dharma talk was given at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. The speaker is Mark Nunberg, guiding teacher at Common Ground. So he says, the Buddha recommended relinquishing attachment to sensuality, not because sensual pleasures are in any way evil, but because the attachment itself is dangerous, both in terms of the pain experienced when a relished pleasure inevitably ends and in terms of the detrimental influence such attachment can have on a person's actions, and thus on his or her future condition. So this is, will be useful for us to share in the small groups tonight. When we talk about the danger or the drawbacks of sensuality, it's not the immediacy of experiencing something nice in terms of sense experience. It's what that sets up. So, for example, what you could do in your small group, you could look at some place in your life where there was a lot of suffering and then see if you can trace back that the cause for that suffering was due to some attachment to sensuality. That you did something or somebody did something because of some clinging, some attachment to sensuality. Whatever it might be. You know, when we think about this, you know, the bigger community, the United States, and like uh, invading another country, it's like we, we desire that central experience of being safe. And then perceived threats need to be eliminated. And then we'll have that central experience of safety because I can't see enemies. We've destroyed them. We've gotten rid of them. So let's do this thing. You know, let's beat the war drum and invade so we get safety. Or maybe it's something else. We we want the central experience, central experience of revenge. They hit us. We should hit somebody back. There's got to be somebody we can hit back. And then we'll feel good. Right? There will be that central experience of like, ah, oh, people will know not to mess with us. You mess with us. We mess with you. So it's like it gets acted out in all kinds of ways, not just in our intimate relationships or in our you know, relationship with food or whatever it is. And to share in the group, like when we look at a place where they're in our life where they're suffering, and then we try to trace back and understand the causes, the roots of that suffering that we actually are experiencing in our life, does it relate in some way, to how we understand, how we relate to sensuality. You know, if we're not able to do our job well, and then we say, oh, well, maybe, you know, I'm not getting to bed early. Well, I why? I'm not getting to bed early because, well, I come home and I feel like, oh, poor me, I've had a long, hard day, I deserve some fun, I'm going to go look for entertainment, I'm going to have some food, I'm going to, you know, and then we end up staying up late because we feel we deserve it because life at work was so hard, but then it's so hard to get up in the morning. You know, and then we see, like, now I'm, I'm on this, in this place at work where they want to fire me or you know, I have to hide the work I'm not doing that I should be doing because I'm getting in late or I'm sleepy when I'm there. Or, you know, you start flirting with somebody you're attracted to, and you know, 
that person flirts with you and it kind of, and then all of a sudden your relationship with your committed, you know, your partner that you're committed to, then it starts to have problems and your life starts to fall apart in that way or any number of ways. So wherever you're experiencing suffering could be around shopping and then having financial insecurity but to trace back the places where you feel suffering, where you feel oppressed, things are heavy, things are difficult, and just to ask honestly, is this related in some way to the mind, the heart, being hooked, being identified, being attached to sensuality? Expecting sensuality to deliver something, but I end up getting screwed. I end up uh, in a difficult place because of my relationship with sensuality, often a promise that's never kept. So this is the one I thought I might have read before, but I'll read it again. It's with the cause practitioners that sensual thinking occurs and not without a cause. And how is it that sensual thinking occurs with a cause and not without a cause? Independent on the property of sensuality, right, on the experience of it, there occurs the perception of sensuality. Independence on the perception of sensuality, there occurs the resolve for sensuality, the desire for sensuality, the fever, the quest. Questing for sensuality, an uninstructed, run-of-the-mill person conducts oneself wrongly through three means, body, speech, and mind, right? So when we, and that's where we make the mistake, where we take more, we feel like this, um, you know, instead of having kindness for others, we feel like they might get it before me. They might get the promotion. They might get the recognition that I need, I want, right? So then we can justify thoughts, words and actions that are hurtful and harmful. And then when people are hurt, harmed, they don't like us and they might want to harm us. And uh, one of the things I thought I'd read today is this, uh, well first let me just finish the simile here that Buddha uses. Just as if a person were to throw a burning firebrand into a dry, grassy wilderness and not quickly stamp it out, with one's feet and hands. And thus, whatever animals inhabiting the grass and timber would come to ruin and loss, even so, any contemplative, any person who does not quickly abandon, dispel, demolish, and wipe out of existence an out-of-tune, unskillful perception once it has arisen, will dwell in stress in the present life, threatened, despairing, feverish, and upon the breakup of the body, right, and death, one can expect a bad destination. It sounds a little bit threatening. But you get the idea. It's like uh, if we cause a fire, you know, a lot of animals, a lot of people whose homes are going to be burnt or threatened by the fire, they're going to be angry. And even, you know, if all those animals get destroyed, all those people, because of our carelessness, will still have an imprint in our heart like, oh my God, I've ruined a lot of lives. 
I'm responsible for that. It will make an impression in our own mind. We'll carry that around with us. So here and now, that will be a disturbing thing. Oh, yeah. I wanted to go out and have a few drinks, and then upon driving home, you know, I ran over a squirrel, or I had an accident, you know, and I killed somebody, or, you know, whatever. Terrible thing might have happened. And so we live with that. That's sort of in our minds for a long time. Some of you um, have done work in the prisons or are doing work in the prisons. There's a number of common ground people who go to most of the prisons, Jeff and Patrice and many of the folks in the room. And uh, one of the stories people hear when, that have relationships with inmates is like they're ordinary folks. One thing led to another. You know, I don't, do you think there's anybody in this room that wasn't in a position where they could have been careless in a way that would have sent us to prison or caused really serious repercussions? Times when we've had a little too much to drink, times when we were really angry, and if the person we were angry with were nearby, we might have pushed them or might have acted out in some way, or maybe we did, or sought revenge in some way, started a gossip thing that could have had serious implications for someone. Or even worse, if we were in a war zone, imagine what we might end up doing and the implications of that. So the uh, sutta, in the middle length discourses, I gave it out, I think maybe even the first week or the second week, Uh, titled The Great Mass of Stress. But you can go back, and I think I linked to it in the email that I'm going to send out tonight or tomorrow morning with uh, some thoughts about next week's class. But I want to go through it um, before we break into small groups because it's one of the most systematic ways the Buddha's talking about the allure, the drawback, and the escape, not just from sensuality, but from forms like what we see, and from the feeling that arises with sensuality. And it's quite graphic, and I mentioned this, I think, in previous weeks, but I haven't gone through it systematically, so I thought I'd do that now. Practitioners, when the wanderers of other persuasions say this, that they comprehend sensuality, they are to be told, what, friends, with regard to sensuality is the allure, what is the drawback, what is the escape? Because the Buddha is going to say here that unless somebody, when you because most people will say, sure, I get sense, sense experience. You know, I've been living with sense experience for 58 years. I get it. And then you were supposed to ask him, well, do you know what the allure and the drawback and the escape is? And the Buddha said, they're not going to be able to answer unless they've studied under a Buddha or heard the teachings of a Buddha. They're not going to know what the allure, what the drawback, what the escape. So, because it's only somebody who really studies sensuality from an objective point of view clearly understands these three things. And that's what we're at, that's what we're doing in this class. We're studying as best we can from the point of view of non-attachment, the reality of gratification, the reality of the danger with sense experience, how the sense experience fuel suffering. 
But it's not because sense experience is bad. Like wood isn't bad, but it can fuel a fire that can cause a lot of destruction. But wood's not bad. You wouldn't look at a log and go, oh, (laughs) danger. But it can be dangerous, right? It can be used to fuel a fire. And that's what sent, that's the similar, that's the simile actually that the Buddha uses that sensuality is like fuel. It's craving, it's the attachment that's the cause of the suffering, but it needs fuel. It needs sensuality. And the combination of sensuality, sense contact, sense experience, and craving, identification, attachment, then we have trouble. And the Buddha starts by just saying that regular folks are not going to be able to, they'll tell you they know everything there is to know about sense experience, but unless they know the allure, the drawback, and the escape, they don't really know the reality of sensuality, what's important to understand about sensuality. So then what he said, he decides to tell them, everybody who's listening to him. Now, what practitioners is the allure of sensuality? These five strings of sensuality. What five? Then he just, the five physical senses. Eyes and the forms that they see, right? The sounds that the ears hear. The touches that the skin touches. Smells that the nose smells. The taste that the tongue tastes. Flavor is cognizable you know, by the five physical senses. Agreeable, pleasing, charming, endearing, fostering desire, enticing. Now, whatever pleasure or joy arises in dependence on these five strands of sensuality, that's the gratification, that's the allure, right? And we know that. It's like some sights, some sounds are pleasing. And what is the drawback of sensuality? There is the case where on the account on account of the occupation by which a person makes a living. So the Buddha is just talking about surviving, earning a living, whether checking or accounting or calculating or plowing or trading or cattle tending, archery or as a soldier, whatever the occupation may be, one faces cold, faces heat, being harassed by mosquitoes and flies, wind and sun and creeping things, dying from hunger and thirst, you could say, you know, bad bosses and other oppressive employment situations. Now, this is the drawback in the case of sensuality. This mass of stress visible here and now has sensuality for its reason, sensuality for its source, sensuality for its cause, the reason simply being sensuality. So the fact that we have to survive, right? We have to find shelter, we have to find food, we have to negotiate our way in this central world. Whatever hassle you have found in negotiating your way, surviving, having earning a living, that's one of the drawbacks. He's not done. That's one of the drawbacks of sensuality. And then he goes on. And what is the drawback of sensuality? There is the case where on account of the occupation by which a person makes a living, whoops, let me skip. Uh, if the person gains no wealth while working and striving and making effort, 
one sorrows, grieves, and laments, beats one's breast, becomes distraught. My work is in vain. My efforts are fruitless. Now this drawback, too, in the case of sensuality, this mass of stress visible here and now, has sensuality for its reason, sensuality for its source, for its cause, the reason being simply sensuality. All the people who don't have jobs or are underemployed, impoverished in different ways, they seek sensual experiences, right? They want a safe, comfortable home. They want good food. They want clean water. They want to live in a safe neighborhood or whatever, right? And the fact that they can't earn a suitable living to get the things that they desire is part of the suffering that comes with sensuality. So the Buddha is just laying down the evidence about what it means to be embodied, to have a body, to have a life, a sensual life, just to kind of understand that, yeah, there's real gratification, there's real sense pleasure, but what is this mass of stress that also goes around with comes along with sensuality, and he's not done yet. If the person gains wealth, so let's say they're fortunate, privileged, right? Grew up in the right place with the right color of skin, right circumstances, and they gain wealth while working and striving, making effort. One experiences the pain and distress in protecting it. How will neither kings nor thieves make off with my property? Yeah, how can I avoid paying taxes or keep the what are the, sometimes you hear people, the takers, right? So that the takers don't take it, you know, the lazy people. Or fire burn it, or water sweep it away, or hateful airs make off with it. And as one guards and watches over their property, kings or thieves make off with it, or fire burns it, or water sweeps it away, or hateful airs make off with it. And one sorrows, grieves, and laments, beats one's breast, becomes distraught. What was mine is no more. You know, a lot of people feel this in April when they pay their taxes. What? I owe this much? You know, that's not fair. Now, this drawback, too, in the case of sensuality, this mass of stress, and this is real. I mean, you may not care about how wealthy people work so hard and, and lament about how they can make sure their heirs get all their money and that the government doesn't get it. But it's stressful, you know, and you've got to pay for your financial advisor and you've got to do this with your money and do that with your money. and It's stressful just to be, have to protect it. And then, like, is this really safe? Should I buy gold coins, you know, put them under my mattress, or should I here or there? And If the system's rigged, if the stock market's rigged, then what do I do? I'm sure there are a lot of people in this room that know the stress of what to do with the retirement money, for example. And the Buddha's not done. Again, it is with sensuality for the reason, sensuality for the source, sensuality for the cause, the reason being simply sensuality that kings quarrel with kings, nobles with nobles, Brahmins with Brahmins, householders with householders, mother with child, Child with mother, father with child, child with father, brother with brother, sister with sister, brother with sister, sister with brother, friend with friend, 
And then in their quarrels, brawls, and disputes, they attack one another with fists or with cloths or with sticks or with knives so that they incur death or deadly pain. Now this drawback too in the case of sensuality, this mass distress visible here and now has sensuality for its reason, sensuality for its source, sensuality for its cause. How many of us in the room know these kinds of disputes? Whether it's at work, the competition with another employee and who's getting their fair share. Or in your families, as kids. It's not fair. You know, it's not fair. Or wherever we might experience that. And how, easy, how destructive even just on the level of words, the hateful words that are spoken. How many of us know the experience upon the death of our parents and the kids are deciding what to do with the furniture or the money that's left or whatever, real suffering arises. And if it didn't happen in your specific family, I bet everybody in the room knows a friend where this was really painful or something in the family around possessions and around or just you know, receiving sort of respect. You know, oh, you get mom's always liked you more than me, or something like that. Lots of suffering, and the Buddha's not done. And it, and it is with sensuality for the reason, sensuality for the source, that people taking swords, shields, buckling on bows and quivers, charge into battle, massed in double array while arrows and spears are flying, swords are flashing, and they are wounded by arrows, spears. Their heads are cut off by swords, so they incur death or deadly pain. Now this drawback, too, in the case of sensuality, this mass of stress visible here and now has sensuality for its reason, for its source, its cause. And again, with sensuality for the reason, for the source, people taking swords and shields, buckling on bowls and quivers, charge slippery bastions while spears and arrows are flying, swords are flashing. They are splashed with boiling cow dung, crushed under heavy weights. Their heads are cut off by swords. And it goes on. People break into windows, seize plunder, commit burglary, ambush highways, commit adultery. And when they are captured, leaders, right, government officials, have them tortured in many ways. They flog them with whips beat them with canes, beat them with clubs, cut off their hands, their ears, their nose. They subject them the porridge pot, the polished shell shave. Right? He just goes on for about 10 more old-fashioned types of torture. The burning antelope, the meat hooks, coin gouging, lye pickling. More and more, I mean... and. It, it is amazing when you think about how humans throughout history, and it's not just, you know, sort of heads of state having torture chambers, but within families, how people torture for decades, putting down, throwing people out of their heart, or societies oppress groups of people, all due to sensuality, 
all of the endless suffering arises out of sensuality. This is the point the Buddha is making in a really graphic way. So in our small groups tonight, really take the time, like now as I kind of set it up, places in your life where there's been a lot of tightness, a lot of heaviness, and just try to uh, string it back to this, if there weren't the sensual world and the mind's attachment, the mind's craving due to sensuality, this suffering would not arise. It is because of this fuel that craving has a foundation, craving has a basis. And with craving, there's fear. There's, you know, like somebody else is going to get it. And with fear and with craving, we're willing to do things that cause harm, that set that emotion over and over again. Now, the Buddha talks about escape for all of these things. And you can read, there's more. He talks about the same, the allure, the danger, and the escape from seeing forms and from feeling. He talks about like the allure being the highest, most profound pleasantness, like in a deep meditative state, that even that, that pleasant feeling of the mind being really, really, really peaceful, really still, feeling very um, secluded from all that's heavy and disturbing. But even there's a danger to that, which is you know, your cat comes in and disturbs your set, or you have to get up because eventually your knees hurt, or you got to go to work or something like that. So even the most refined, pleasant experience comes and goes. And the escape for all of them is the same. And I'll just read that and then we'll break up into small groups. But we'll spend the last two or three weeks talking about the escape, the escape from sensuality. And, pra- and what practitioners is the escape from sensuality? the subduing of desire-passion for sensuality, the abandoning of desire-passion for sensuality. That is the escape from sensuality. Or you could say the attachment or identification with desire. Not the desire itself, but the personalizing of the desire, the attachment to the desire. Can we play, can we be in the world of sensuality without taking pleasantness personally? That's the question. So take a moment, just think about a place where there's some suffering in your life and try to, if you can, string suffering, your own direct, immediate experience of suffering to being a central being, having central experience. That the fear, that the craving, that the confusion, the delusion arose because of the mind's attachment to sensuality, to the craving for something, the fear of something. This talk, like all programs at Common Ground, is offered freely in the spirit of generosity. To learn more about Common Ground and its programs, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website, www.commongroundmeditation.org. Thank you for listening. 
To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.